Amen. Proverbs 18 tonight. Proverbs 18. We'll wrap up Proverbs chapter 18, and lo and behold, we'll probably be in Proverbs 19 next week. Amen. Uh, but look at verse number five tonight. We'll read one verse, and we'll cover a few other verses. We've looked at the, the, the desire for wisdom. We looked at the diction of wisdom. Tonight, we'll look at the decisions, or really the action of wisdom. What does wisdom look like in action, or, or how can I know that I have wisdom in my actions? And, and we see this in David's life, right? We, we know that David was a man after God's own heart, so he had the right desires. He desired the right thing. I, I've just started reading the book of Psalms again. I was reminded, David said some things right, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but there are some things in the book of, of Psalms, you can go back and say, that's one of my favorite books. Matter of fact, Genesis, Revelation, they're all my favorite, amen. <laughs> I enjoy all of them. But I, I really love Psalms because it's just David, a lot of times David pouring his heart out to God and found out that David had the same struggles, the same fears, the same problems that you and I have, and he showed us what to do with them. What do we do, preacher? Take them to the Lord, right? So David had, he had the right desire, he had the right decision or the right, the right diction, the right words that he said. But we also know in the 1 Samuel 18, verse 4, and David behaved himself wisely. So David had wise actions. And so if David could have all of that, then we can too tonight. But Proverbs 18, verse number 5, the Bible says, it is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. It is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for tonight. We do thank you for our Bibles. We're thankful, Lord, that we have, we have the bread of life to meet around tonight. Lord, it is, it is wisdom beyond compare. It is knowledge that is wonderful. It is truth that is endured to every generation. Well, I'm thankful, Lord, that your word is already settled in heaven. Lord, you don't have anything to add to it, Lord. You've given us exactly what we need. And I do pray tonight as we've, we've opened up your word tonight, we've read from it, God, with not just the reading of it be blessed, but, Lord, the preaching of it as well. I pray, Lord, tonight you have it behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you in and out of myself, Lord, and fill me, Lord, with your spirit tonight and simply use me for your glory, Lord. I do thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I do thank you, Lord, for our people and our church, Lord. And I continue to pray, Lord, that you would just work and show yourself faithful, Lord. And uh, we know, Lord, that there is plenty for us to do. Lord, help us be busy about your business. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. He said, Preacher, what in the world does that verse have to do with wisdom and action? It says it is not good to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteous in judgment. And see, here's the thing. The Bible is full of good things, and it's also full of not good things, right? Things that we should do and things that we should not do. There are things that we should accept, and there are things that we should abstain from. The Bible clearly tells us, hey, stay away from these things. And there are certain things that we are to accept. Matter of fact, here tonight, we're told it is not good to accept the person of the wicked. Well, how do we know that? How do we know who is foolish or who is wicked, who is, who is going in the other direction of God and who is wise and who is full of God's wisdom and, and who should we accept? And I, I don't know, I, I don't want to accept the wrong people into my circle. I don't want to accept the wrong people into our church. Listen, I love we, I love having visitors. I love having a full church. It's, it, it, as a preacher, it is enjoyable to preach to a crowd. Right? As having been one who's preached to me in a camera, it is far better to preach to a crowd. Right? Because y'all laugh. The camera never once laughed at my corny jokes. Y'all laugh at them because you love me. <laughs> Amen. 
If we don't laugh, he's going to tell it again. <laughs> Hurry up, laugh. Right, but how do we know these things? How do we figure out which one to allow in, to allow that influence into our life? And really, the only answer I can give you now is wisdom. And that's God's wisdom. Right, verse 5, we are told not to accept the person of the wicked. So, preacher, what does that mean? How, how do I come to that decision? Think about it this way. You are a judge presiding over a case, and you must determine whether someone is guilty or not. And you have, to, you have to come to this conclusion. Here's that you can't base it solely off their desire. Right, because they may say, well, I didn't intend to commit that crime. Or I didn't intend for it to go that far. That was never my desire. So you can't base it solely off desire. Or can you base it solely off their words? Because they may step back and say, I didn't do that. It wasn't me. When I was working at Sonic, there was two guys that were taking product out of the freezer and they would hide it in a trash can and then sneak it out to their car. And then once they got it out of the car, they would take it to different restaurants in Augusta and sell it back to those restaurants. And we didn't find this out until, you know, our manager had went through and he had looked at the cameras, but he had one of the men on the camera putting the box into the trash can. He followed him out to his car on the camera and he said, could you please explain to me what you are doing? Here was his defense. That isn't me. I don't know who that is, but that's not me. Well, it is you. <laughs> we can see you clearly. It is you. But here's the thing. As a judge, you can't base it off of desire or just base it off of words because they will sell you whatever they think you want to hear. But we see, well, how in the world you have to judge it off their actions? The evidence speaks for itself. Right? It, the actions outweigh their intent and it outweighs their words. And the same is true concerning wisdom. Right? I think just about everybody in the room tonight and, and, and everybody in the world would raise their hand and say, well, I want to be more wise. Right? We have that, that general desire for wisdom. And then some may even say they have it. I have wisdom. But the final thing that you and I can, uh, we can look at and check and, and to make that realization, to make the observation is look at their actions. Are they behaving wisely? Is there wisdom in their actions? What do their actions say or what do your actions say? So we see tonight we're going to look at wisdom and action and really we're going to see two points tonight as we look at it. Notice number one, we are going to see the actions of the foolish. The actions of the foolish, we'll look at verse 9, 3, and then 19. But foolish actions, foolish choices often lack thoughtful contemplation. Right? In essence, there is a lack of planning. There is a lack of preparation. It is when they are done, you step in. Were you even thinking? Or what were you thinking that, that, that th you thought, hey, this is a great idea? True, of the matter is 10 times out of 10, they weren't thinking. There was no preparation. There was no, there was no thought put into it. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can write, the longer I think about something, the better opportunity to act wisely. When I was growing up, my dad taught me how to play dominoes. And I, I enjoyed the game. I caught on to it quick. You know, you score 5, 10s, 15s, 20, 25. You're really good. You can score 30. And so I, my dad taught me how to play. And, and you add up the numbers on the end. You follow the rules, all that kind of stuff. And 
And we, we'd go out there playing. I remember many times sitting out on the back porch and my dad, it'd be me versus my dad and we were out there playing and he'd play his domino and I'd be looking at mine. He was, he, his hands were so big he could hold all his dominoes in one hand. <laughs> I got mine stacked up on the table. Right now, I remember we would play and he would play his domino and, and about two seconds later he'd say, you think long, you think wrong. He would say, you think long, you think wrong. He wasn't trying to teach me about life. He was trying to beat me in dominoes. Because he knew if I sat there and I thought long enough that I was going to come up with a game plan and I was going to start thinking, well, if I play this one, then he may have that one. But if I play this one and he has this one, then it cancels out. But then I can play this one and I'll score. He said, and so for him to throw me off my rocker, he would just say it over and over and over again. If you think long, you think wrong. And for a while there, I believed him. Right, and so I would just hurry up and throw one out, and he would score 15. How do you do that? <laughs> but can I say, when it comes to acting wisely, you know, when you look at the foolish actions that you and I have, we could probably go back to all of them and see that there was a lack of thought behind them. There was a lack of preparation behind them. There was a lack of planning behind them. And here's, here's some things, and as we look at the acts of the foolish, notice this, foolish actions are wasteful. Look at verse number nine. The Bible says he also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Now, some people would probably say, let's have a biblical debate tonight, preacher. Which one of those is worse? Would it be, would it be worse to be slothful or lazy in your work? Or would it be worse to be someone who works hard and then waste it all? Here's the thing tonight, we could talk back and forth all night long, which one of those are worse? Here's an agreement we all could come to, neither one of those are wise. Neither one of those are wise tonight. The, the one who is lazy and has nothing, or the one who wastes, every, or works, or wastes everything and now has nothing. And well, here's the thing tonight, there are those who could serve the Lord, but never do. They have the ability, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of them. They have the gifts and the talents from the Lord. They just don't ever do it. They are slothful in their endeavors. And then there are those who do serve the Lord. But because of a lack of planning, a lack of thought, a lack of preparation, they throw it all away. Can I say tonight, we, we would say both of those are terrible. And both of those should not be our desire. And so we see tonight that foolish actions are wasteful. Let me ask you, are you foolishly wasting your life? Our life is but a vapor. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow. Only that which we do for Christ will last. Only that which we do and we, we do in service to him is what we'll be rewarded for tonight. And so every now and again, just about every day, we need to take a step back and say, I will not waste the day the Lord has given me. I will, not, I will not give in to my selfish pleasures and my selfish life. I will rather remember that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I've been bought with the price, and therefore I want to redeem the time that I have and use it wisely. Lord, help me not to be slothful, and Lord, help me not to waste what you've given me. But we all probably know somebody who, God, it, seemed like, it seemed like God went to my house and, and he threw one talent at me and that was it. And I'm still trying to figure out what it is. And then there are some, it seems like he took the dump truck and just poured every talent out on them just to watch them waste it all. Or, you know, he didn't give me what he gave. So I'm not going to do anything. Well, neither one of those are right. 
And neither one of those are wise. And we're going to see tonight if, if foolish actions are wasteful, the time that we waste, the time that we act foolishly is time that we will not get back. Foolish actions are wasteful. Then notice this, verse number three, there is a stigma that follows foolish actions. Look at verse number three. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt. And with, oh man, I, pra I practiced pronouncing it, now I can't say it. <laughs> ignominy, ignominy. I think that's how you say it. Ignominy. <laughs> I was saying, I was practicing in my office. <laughs> Ign <laughs> ignominy, right? <laughs> where we get the word ignorant from. Ignominy. <laughs> Sounds like I'm on Dory. Or was that, uh, not Dory, uh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, told you. It seemed like I, I got one talent in there somewhere. I'm still trying to figure out where it is. <laughs> but there's a stigma that follows foolish actions. That word content means disrespect. That word me means disgrace. That word reproach means shame. But look what it says in verse number three. When the wicked cometh, then cometh also contempt, and with enigmity, reproach. These are what follow foolish actions. In essence, when foolishness happens or when you and I participate in a foolish action and we step back and say, well, I can't wait to be celebrated. I can't wait to be respected. I can't wait to be honored. Oh, mark it down. It's not going to happen. Right, it's a very, the Bible says here the wicked, but also we, we can plug in foolish there. It works just the same because those who are living wickedly also are living foolishly. It's a foolish thing to live as you please and live with, with no thought of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact you're going to stand before him and give an account. It's a foolish way to live. But not just foolish, also wicked. And so we see tonight there is a stigma that follows those kind of issues that are a result of foolish actions and not wise ones. Let me ask you, have you ever acted foolishly and disrespected somebody? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you, you ever acted wisely and disrespected somebody? Have you ever acted foolishly and you disgraced somebody? You disgraced yourself? You disgraced your family in that sense? You ever acted foolishly and you brought shame to somebody? Brought shame to your name in that sense? And so we see tonight that foolish actions carry a stigma. However, wisdom produces the opposite. Wise people are honored. Wise people are respected. Why? Not just for what they know and not just for what they say, but because of how they act. They act wisely. Why was David loved by all of Israel? Because he acted wisely. He behaved himself wisely. Even when others came in to try to take over, even when his own son came against him, he was still loved. Why? Because of his wise actions. So we see there's a stigma that follows the foolish. There's disrespect, there's disgrace, there's shame. But then we also see the sad reality of foolish actions. Look at verse number 19. The Bible said, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Well, how many of you know it's hard to win somebody once you've offended them? Right, and we're not talking about, here's the thing, so preacher, Jesus offended people, and he did, but what Jesus, Jesus wasn't trying to be offensive. Jesus wasn't trying to be rude. He was being honest with them and truthful with them. The fact was they didn't like the truth. They didn't like what was being preached and presented to them. People will be offended by wisdom, but people were, because people were offended by 
uh, were offended by Jesus, but it wasn't pertaining to this verse. They were offended because they were fleshly. They were offended because they were carnal. They were offended, offended because they weren't saved. And they, they, were, they, were, they were saturated with religion. But here's the thing, when you and I act foolishly and through our foolish actions, we offend somebody, good luck trying to get them back. It's hard. Right, in essence, and I don't want to say that if you've offended somebody that you just give up on them, but just mark it down, it's going to be difficult to win them back. It's going to be difficult to win their respect. It's going to be difficult to win their, 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 their listening, right, and their, their, their ear and their heart back to you. That's why we have to act wisely. Because if I offend somebody in wisdom or with wisdom, then that's on them. But if I offend somebody through my foolish actions, then that's on me. That's not the Lord. Right, so we see tonight there's a sad reality of foolish actions is that they will offend somebody. It's not impossible, but boy, is it difficult. <laughs> Man, it is hard to win somebody that you've offended with foolish actions. And to the point where you say, I'm, I'm done with it. The Bible doesn't say that it's impossible. It just said it's very, very Difficult. And here it says that's why you and I ought to operate not just with a desire for wisdom, not just to say things the right way, but to do the right things. Let me ask you, are you still going to act foolishly knowing what it is going to cost you? Cost you reputation, cost you your testimony, cost you respect, costing you the, the, the opportunity to win somebody to Lord. Man, isn't that stuff worth it? Of course not tonight. So there's anybody tonight that ought to say, you know what, I'm going to act wisely. It is you and I that have the word of God because we know that's what God desires out of our life. So we notice, number one, we see the actions of the foolish. Then notice number two tonight, we see the actions of the wise. We see the actions of the wise. Before you get too far, don't write number three because there's no third point tonight. Right, we see the actions of the wise. <laughs> your parents ever told you this? You better be on your best behavior. When we go out, act like you got sense. <laughs> Here's the thing. It may have worked when I was a kid. I might have known that there were certain things that I could do at the house that I was not allowed to do at the restaurant, that I wasn't allowed to do at anybody else's house. Here's the thing. Growing up, if I wanted to in my house, my parents would have thought I was crazy, but they probably wouldn't have stopped me. I could have rolled up on the couch, put my head in the seat, and lifted my legs all the way up and done a handstand on the couch. They would have been fine with it. I thought I was crazy, but they probably wouldn't have stopped me. But had I done that at their friend's house? Oh, wait until we get home. <laughs> if we can wait that long. <laughs> right, my parents, you better, when we go out, you better not embarrass me. Because if you did, you would regret it. Here's the thing tonight. As a child, I could fake being put together. I could, be, I could fake having sense in my best behavior. Here's the thing, you can't fake godly wisdom. You can't fake it tonight. Only, it only comes from the Lord, and it can only be genuine. Either you will act wisely or you won't. There is no gray area here. It is either you are or you aren't. And so tonight we've seen the actions of the foolish. That is anything that you, I, that you and I do that we know goes against God's word, that we know isn't true, it isn't right, and we still do it anyways because we didn't sit down and think about it long enough to realize, hey, this is not a wise thing to do. 
But then we see the actions of the wise. Look at verse number 10. We see the immediate response to a wise action. Look at the verse. The Bible says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Boy, I read that verse and it took me all the way back to my Bible college days. Me and Brother Jake were talking right about the service, how Brother Robbie Burton preaches and how he just rares back and preaches. I remember being in Bible college and I don't know how we got on this verse, but I remember making a statement. He said, you'll never run into God or run towards God and miss him. He said, you'll run into him every time. He said, if you purpose in your heart to run towards him, to live for him, to walk towards him, you'll always run into him. He said, because he's a strong tower. And the Bible said right there in verse 10, he runneth into it. Now, no doubt tonight it is that understanding that you're running into a tower, but we see the immediate response. Here, here's, the, here's the immediate response, reaction of a wise person. Let me run to the Lord. Let me seek God's counsel. Let me seek God's word. Let me see what God has to say. They run to the Lord first and foremost. And somehow in modern Christianity, we have taken what ought to be our first action and put it somewhere near the end. Let me turn on a song. Let me listen to a podcast. Let me, let me read a devotional book. None of those things are bad. But that is not running to the Lord. It is literally you going before him like Moses did and talk to him face to face like Moses did. It is going to him and saying, all right, Lord, here is the decision I have to make. Here are some actions that I'm pursuing. Lord, would you please give me peace or guide me in the right direction? And that ought to be our first action. That ought to be our first response. In essence, I'm going to run into the Lord. I'm going to run towards the Lord until I run into him. And he gives me what I'm supposed to do. The wisest, safest thing you'll ever do is run to the Lord. Preacher, what should I do in this? Run to the Lord. What should I do about that? Run to the Lord. What about this situation? Run to the Lord. Ask the Lord what he has to say with it. Because here's the thing. Though you love me and I love you, I don't have the answer for everything. There's problems you face that I can't give you an experience that I've been, because I haven't been through it. There are issues and, and thoughts that are in your heart that I, 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 they don't cross my mind that way. But I guarantee you run to the Lord. He'll have what you need. Growing up in the 90s, things were different back then. And, and I remember growing up and there was something when I was a young boy, probably elementary school, middle school in that area, that I always wanted to do. And I feel like I haven't seen these things since the 90s. But you could go to somewhere and they would put a suit on you. And on that suit was strips of Velcro. And it, all the way around you. And he would line up and there was a big wall. And he would run as fast as you can, jump, and you stick on the wall. Far better than Facebook. <laughs> and I always wanted to do one of those. We might just have to have a fall festival and rent one. Y'all trying to reach the community? No, pastor just wants to jump on a wall. <laughs> well, the, whole thing was, the whole thing was you was going to run as fast as you could, jump with the intentions up, I'm going to stick to the wall, and I ain't coming down until someone gets me down. Well, we ought to have the same desire when it comes to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to run, and when I run into you, I'm going to stick with you. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to walk away. That ought, to be our, that ought not to be our last resort. That ought to be our immediate response. When I'm running with you, I'm sticking on to you. And then we see verse 16, there's an intentional plan. The Bible said, a man's gift maketh room for him. 
and bringeth him before great men. Sometimes you and I act foolishly because we are trying to fit into somewhere we don't fit in. We are trying to, trying to pretend to be somebody who we know we aren't in Christ. You ever heard the saying, you cannot fit a square peg into a round hole? Truth is, you can. But it's going to cause a lot of damage. It's going to cause a lot of pain. You are going to have to force it. We're going to see tonight that uh, the wise person says, you know what, I, I'm going to let the Lord, not only going to, I, am I going to run to him, but I'm going to let him place me where I'm supposed to be. God has given me gifts. God has given me a talent instead of me trying to shove my way into things. All right, Lord, I ran into you. Help me get where I'm supposed to be next. Lord, let me be where, I'm so, where, where you desire for me to be. Here's the thing. God will place you where you're needed. He will place you where you're needed. It may not always be where you want, but it'll be where you are needed. Because he knows what gifts you have. He knows what talents you have. He knows exactly where they're needed in his body, which is the church. Now, he knows exactly where you're supposed to be needed. There, there will be a need for your gift and not just a place where it is wanted, but a place where it is needed. You will fit right in. A few months ago, that's probably over a year ago, we had, we had some people come in and visit. And I, I, it's, I, you can, you can kind of see there's some people who think we're just crazy. Right? They never seen it like this, but they kind of like it. And there are some that have come in, and I can tell this is not their cup of tea. Well, preacher, we, we, ought, we, ought, to, we ought to change. And we ought to, we ought to be a, I'm not talking about we were friendly to them. We shook their hand. I talked to them. But I could tell the songs we were singing, the style of our worship, and the, and the style of my preaching wasn't their thing. He said, well, preacher, why, why don't you accommodate? Why don't you change? Very well, it probably wasn't the Lord for them to be here. Not that it's a bad thing. Not that we're mad at them. But we've got to realize tonight there is an intentional plan that I am going to go nowhere else except for where the Lord wants me to be. That's the wisest thing you'll ever do is, Lord, I'm only going where you desire for me to be. Right, we see the immediate response, we see the intentional plan. Then we see an effective strategy in verse number 18. The lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. Could you imagine if at a business meeting we said, all right, here's how we're going to make the decision. I've got six straws in my hand. One of them is the shorter straw. And we're going to have three people. They are going to represent yes and three people are going to represent no. And whoever gets the short straw, whether it's yes or no, that's how we're going to make the decision. Wouldn't that be interesting? Amen. The Bible, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about lots, we're talking about the casting of a lot. Now, in Bible times, it was, they would sit in a circle and there was a special marked stone. They would toss them out in random. And whoever it landed on, it was there a lot. We, we've done picking straws. And if you grew up, you probably played any, mini, mighty, mo, catch a tiger by the toe. And you can keep going and going until you can try to get it to where it lands on your foot. Bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish. How many pieces do you wish? Four. <laughs> and I said the effective strategy. Decisions aren't made by feelings and favorites. Right? That, that casting a lot removes influence. It removes prejudice. It removes uh, uh, that, 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 that where people try to work it for themselves. It was, not that it was at random, but literally it was leaving it in the Lord's hands. 
And tonight, the wisest thing you'll learn to do is to make your decisions not based on your feelings, not just based on what somebody else says, but you've run to the Lord. You've decided to stick to him. You're going to be where he wants you to be. All right, Lord, point me there. Lord, give me that direction. Lord, I'm going to let the lot that you have for me fall upon me. But the same is true. A wise, one of the wisest things you'll learn to do is learning to make decisions not based on feelings, but facts. On truth. On the word of God. See, we're living in a culture now where, where yes, we have God's word, but I also have my feelings. And if my feelings get hurt, but the word of God is right, I've got to find somewhere to, to fit in. That's where a lot of this he gets us from comes from, that we're seeing in our modern society, right? This, this, that, yes, we know the Bible says it's wrong, but God is love. Well, of course he is, but he's also righteous. And we see tonight that an effective strategy for you and I is to say, you know what? I've got feelings, I've got opinions, I've got influences, but Lord, what does your word say? Because this book will not lie to you. This book is always true. We see there's an effective strategy. The word of God is the decision maker, not just around our church, but it'll be the decision maker in your life. Right, we have a saying, you probably heard preachers say that, that the word of God is the final authority on all matters of faith and practice. Right, that says, what does the Bible say? Not just in our doctrine, but in our decisions and in our actions that we're gonna take. It tells the truth no matter the situation, even when the truth isn't fun. But it's right. The truth is always the truth. Then finally, we see the ultimate goal. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer, closer than a brother. Boy, how many have heard this verse and said, well, if you want friends, you got to smile. You got to be polite. You got to be friendly in that sense, and no doubt there's probably the application there. But I don't know about you, I want to be surrounded by good, godly, wise people. You know what the Bible's saying? And that's what you got to be. You got to be godly, you got to be wise. One that just not only seeks wisdom, that talks wisely, but behaves wisely as well. Because here's the thing what you are is what you'll attract. What you are is what you'll attract. He said, well, preacher, I don't have all wisdom. Neither do I tonight. But how many of you coming in Wednesday nights with a heart desiring and seeking wisdom? We've come in and God has given us the wisdom that we need for the matters of life. And I like being surrounded by people who don't know everything, but that are willing to learn. That are willing to learn. I remember my, my first day in the cabinet shop, I told them, listen, I don't know a whole lot, but I'm willing to learn whatever you're willing to teach me. And so they put that thing, they challenged that statement. Because <laughs> there was a man, he, I'm not doing anything else. This is what I'm doing until I retire. And guess what? That's what he did until he retired. Me, he said, I'll learn whatever you want me to learn. I guess they, they thought I needed to learn how to clean bathrooms. So they put me in charge of that. I guess you need to learn how to carry wood from a truck to a job site. So they put me on that. And whatever they put me on, I said, I'm willing to learn, but I don't have the same attitude when it comes to the Christian life. Lord, I don't know everything, but you do, but Lord, I'm willing to learn. 
And if we're going to have people in our life, we, we all want that, that wise person in our life. But we ought to have a desire in our own life as well and wise actions in our own life that draws those kind of people where they can discern and say, they're different. They, they, they are not the nominal, normal Christian in our society. They are desiring God's wisdom. I want to be surrounded by good, godly, and wise friends and you will attract what you are and thankfully, there is one that will stick closer to you than all of them. And his name is Jesus. Right, the, right, the last part of that verse says, and there is a friend that sticks closer, cl closer than a brother. Well, we, we like that verse when we're in the hospital room. We like that verse when we're at the funeral home. We like that verse when we're going through the trials of life. And I'm glad that there is a friend who knows how to walk into the lowest parts of our life and has never left me nor forsaken. I knew, I'm glad he knew where we were when we were going through our struggles and he just didn't know my location. He was sitting there with me. But can I say tonight, just as much as I'm glad that he's there in my trouble, boy, I want him right next to me as I'm reading the Bible. Lord, I, I, I don't know what that word, that I word means, Lord. But could you please help me understand it? And he's there. He's there. And he's not slack and he's not, he's not upbraiding and upholding anything from us. He said, if you'll ask, I'll give it to you. You seek and you'll find it. You knock and it shall be open unto you. He said, because I'll be there. You've run into me. You stuck with me, but guess what? I'm sticking with you. I'm glad tonight there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let me ask you, have you allowed your desire for wisdom to impact your decisions and the actions that you are making? When was the last time right before you did something? I'm not talking about whether or not you're going to brush your teeth in the morning, right? You do that, right? That, that is a wise thing to do. <laughs> it's a beneficial thing to do. I'm not necessarily praying, Lord, there is chicken and beef in the refrigerator. What shall I cook for dinner tonight? Right? We're talking, those are just things that have to be done. Lord, should I take a shower today? Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. But things like, Lord, here's some things I want to do in my future. Lord, to be wise to pursue those things. Lord, here's, here's some things I would like to, I'd like to do for you. Is that what you want me to do? Lord, I need wisdom not just in my desires and not just in my words, but in my actions. Before you go to do something tomorrow, take a few seconds and say, is this the wisest thing I could do right now? Lord, I need wisdom to make sure this is the right decision. Lord, everything in me wants to tell that person who just told me all, I want to tell them off right back, Lord. But is that the wisest thing to do, Lord? Everybody does it, Lord. All I got to do is change a little bit here and there and I can get a little bit back more on my taxes. I know it's not entirely true, but it's not entirely false as well. Is that the wisest thing for you to do? I was just talking to somebody this week about that. There was a time in my life where that was put before me. Hey, all you have to do is tell a little white lie and we'll give you $200 back with the government. In my mind, so well, the government lies to me all the time. <laughs> but I remember sitting there and like the Holy Spirit was like, no, no. You know you're not supposed to do that. 
I was having a mental you know, battle with a man sitting across. I can't do that. Well, then we can't give you your money back. Well, I, I'd much rather just tell the truth. And can I say tonight that <laughs> still don't know where that $278 went to. And I say, God has been good to me. And I've not regretted that decision. When you act wisely, you'll learn that you don't have to regret the things you do. You can go, stand flat foot and say, I have done what God desires for me to do. Have you allowed your desire for wisdom to impact your decisions and the actions that you're making tonight? So before you act out tomorrow, step back and say, all right, Lord, is this the wisest thing for me to do? Let's pray to Heavenly Father.